Hey Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys have been having a great week. Mine hasn't been too bad. Nothing really new in the house area. I mean, we've kind of gotten close. There's a house that we actually are interested in renting. Um, we're just, I'm, I'm trying to get more information about it, or at least have a virtual way of being able to see it. Uh, uh, my wife actually kind of likes to look on the outside. The only problem is they have no pictures in the inside, so it's kind of a bummer. But regard that, uh, Regardless of that, um, everything else has been going all right, you know, kind of just been going and, you know, just we've been talking a lot lately about, you know, how we want to do this church. And I don't know if you guys have Discovery Plus, but they have on there the Hillsong Exposed and all the things that has been going on, especially since 2020, um, from the Carl Lentz to the Brian Houston and all the different things and just kind of the background. It's actually really good. I really thought it was going to be something that was going to be an attack on the church period or the Christian church period, but actually it kind of shows you and helps you understand kind of the comments I have made about being careful of some of these churches that seem to just have everything going for them and they're, they're mega and they just, and it's not saying that all mega churches are bad, but you gotta be, you gotta be mindful of what is being taught. You gotta be mindful what's being taught in their music. You gotta be mindful of their background, their history, their connection, the people that they connect to. And there's stuff I learned in there that I did not know about Brian Houston and the people he hung out with, uh, to get, I guess you could say wisdom and knowledge to how to build Hillsong further than what his dad was doing. And I even found out things about Carl Lentz that I didn't know about. And it's really good. Um, a lot of lessons, a lot of things you could think about, and it's not a deterrent from church planning. It's not a deterrent from churches, but it is an encouragement for my wife and I to really think about things that we need to be mindful as we build. Um, our hopes is not to become a mega church. We don't want to become a Hillsong. We don't want to become a Bethel. We don't want to become, you know, all these other churches like Elevation Church and now even the current ones that have been coming up. That's not, that's not our goal. Um, because one of the things that I've been noticing in a lot of these churches in the music, it's all kind of similar to what, if you watch at least the first episode of that Hillsong, they talk about how the music is used to manipulate emotional spiritualism. And it's something I've kind of mentioned that you have to be careful with. And it's not just those churches. It's a lot of other churches who have been adopting similar styles to actually influence people. And it's kind of interesting, even though the my experience in my last job wasn't the best, I do remember the, the person that was over the music, he actually was starting to point out that he didn't want to do music that was just emotionally moving people. He wanted to do music that was uplifting to God and getting people to focus on God. And the fact that he kind of noticed that, you know, in some of the music that was kind of becoming a thing, he kind of stood for that. And that I, and I was really cool to see that. But... The truth is that, you know, that church was tiny. Can you imagine in other churches that are tiny or bigger or whatever, if that influence has been getting in? And I know you've probably heard me talk about this different things from, you know, how people get into the church. But, you know, you, you start learning and pay attention to how easily 
the foundation or the pillar of how you design, whether it's a church business company or, you know, a group or whatever, if the pillars are designed for several things, one, make money designed to you, you or anybody to make, get power and three, because you want to be known you're already on the verge of going after the world's perspective of being something. If you put your pillars on God's word, if you put it on, it's all about him and your focus is not you being the focal point because the other thing we've been watching a little bit is some more cult stuff because it's very interesting to say, we like the, the question is how do people get so stuck into these cults and these leaders and these groups and these organizations and and can't get out like why is it so easy and the truth is because there is a a form of manipulation that goes on a form of wordage Thinking like you'll see this in the Hillsong stuff, the people that are opening up and sharing about their experiences, whether it was in the church <coughs> or in this college that they had, you can see how simply using proper wordage uh, to be repeated over and over again, you start believing something. Also, it's the, you know something, and I hate that we had to say this word today. But, you know, my wife and I both said it's also weak minded people. And I'm not talking about ignorance or stupidity, but weak minded because they don't do the research and study and they're hungry so much for acceptance, connection, community and focus. These leaders and groups understand that. So they design everything around that. And so that's what's kind of like today's thought is the understanding of who God is as our refuge. You see, the, these groups have created their own form of refuge in, in a sense to, to control people, to get money, to gain power and to influence and to become the idols of, of the world or like what we've been hearing a lot is celebrity pastors where they want to fit into the culture, into the world, and they want the rest of the world to see, see that, you know, Christians can be just like everybody else and we can fit right in. But we have to understand if God is our refuge, he is all that we really need. And if anybody is teaching you that you have to count on them, that they have the direct line to Jesus, that God is only speaking to them with discernment on things that he's given him little tidbits of information about you because you're going to learn when you watch that Hillsong that they did some interesting back quote unquote background checks to green light people or red light people, but they use that information to put over them in control. And a lot of times in church settings, even if it's been a guy or, you know, if you're in a church that has women as pastors, even if they've been there for 10, 15 years, you got to watch how they're treating people. 
And you got to watch how people treat them. If you're starting to have people defend and protect their pastors, like the video I showed not too long ago, as if they are anointed and can't make mistakes, that their word is above everybody else in the congregation, then you have a problem. Because the only person that we should be looking to for any form of understanding of what it means to be strong, what it means to have refuge, what it means to be our fortress, our defense, to be our the one that we should be fearing is only God. If you go and you get to Proverbs 14, verse 26, it states, those who fear God are secure. In other version of ESV, it says they will be basically um, confident. So, so the word secure, confident, they will be confident in the Lord. He will be a refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is life-giving and foundation, or excuse me, Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from snares of death. Now, you got to understand, if if your teacher or leader or pastor is directing you to the understanding that God is who we're supposed to fear and not them, not their family, not the people around them, not the leadership of the church, but if God is who we're supposed to fear, we will find refuge in God. He will also show us how to not be snared by the world. And in some cases, not snared by lies or manipulation by people of the church to try to control you. I call a lot of those type of people as basically lords of souls, where they think they have this connection with God directly that no one else can have. And they can use things against you or even create a lie. And people would, would believe them because why would a pastor lie? You know, if you start watching some of these cult shows and you start learning about these other cults, you could see that how much power people can gain and being people's refuge. Because they make the promise that they'll be their strength. They will be their fortress. They'll be their defense. They can give them the comments. All they need to do is trust them, have faith in them, pay them. And people want something so physical, like physically there to see, to believe in. And in many ways, they become a form of idol for the people. And it's interesting because... If we go to Jeremiah 16, because I, I, I like I like Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a good book. If you haven't read into it, you should. But down, if you go down to verse 19, because they were, they were talking about, it's basically the restoration to Israel once again, because of all the stuff that has happened, you know, it's another form of restoration coming up. But it says, and it's actually a quote, I believe, to another form of scripture. But it says, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble to you, shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but lies, worthless, worthless things in which there is no profit. Can, can man make for himself gods? Such are not gods. 
Therefore, behold, I will make them known this once I will make them known, know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. See, the thing is, the idea of all the all that's kind of going on about being fooled and deceited by people and seeing people kind of gain this position of power calling themselves priests calling themselves uh like jesus themselves or reincarnation of jesus or prophets that are connected to god directly that and, and, and they make you feel like you have no connection to him like they do these are like idols these are like other people act playing god to you and you need to be really careful because sometimes it doesn't look as simple as what i'm saying Sometimes it's someone who's charismatic and speaks so well and has, you know, smiles, has good, you know, he's good looking, like a Carl Lentz, who was trained. He was a young adult pastor at, at another church called The Wave out in Virginia Beach. He was hip. He fit in. He dressed like a Hollywood character. He had friends that were all connected and he made a network for himself. But when you start learning about different things about him that people had saw, seen beforehand and it was all ignored by the leadership of the church, you could see the downfall. You could see how he became a form of God. Like people would show up when they knew he was going to be there because they knew they were going to get Carl Lentz. And he was treated like he was the president or something. And this is how easy it is to fall for the image of what you're being told you're getting. You see, people are longing for something. They want something. They want to know that there is something more to this life than what they have had. They have sat there hoping to find some form of strength and courage and confidence in themselves that they seek out whatever they can find. And some people, in my opinion, join in or change the way they think about things like LGBTQ groups have. And not everybody in there is in there because that's what they think they are, but they, they feel connected to. It's the same thing with people who uh, go into Wicca. Because like one of the, one of the things that if you actually studied into more the the covens that are out there in this in, in the United States, they are really good at gaining people. They're really good at making people feel at home, connected. I mean, it's the same with um, oh man, I forgot the group's name, Scientology. Like, but there's, there's, but the thing is, once you get in, there's no way to move up, and you always get put back down. There's always a failure line at some point, so you can never really get anywhere. But you, you, you're wanting something so badly that you have put your refuge in there. That you've allowed yourself to be in encapsulated by the leader or group or organization's views because they make you feel worth worthful 
because a lot of times in our world and our culture and in our lives we don't get to feel that way it's the same type of deal that i see with people who play games a lot of times um people use it to quote unquote escape but it's also because they feel they have more of a capability of being important or valued or used in the way that they they've wanted to be used you know people like in the, my favorite game go wars 2 people who uh get to be commanders of hundreds of people but in real life they're work at a grocery store because they think they're worthless they have no there's nothing they can do and that's the cool thing about once you get to know who jesus is you get to discover something amazing about you i've learned and discover in these past 10 years that how hard it can be to feel like you have you know that you have this calling that god has placed on you but nothing is going in the way that you thought it would go and I have said this before, you know, I thought everything was just going to line up. You know, I was going to get the entry level job going to into youth ministry. Then maybe I get to do young adult ministry or get to be some form of other ministry. And then eventually I get to be like associates pastor who's, you know, right behind the pastor. And then eventually, you know, get to be a pastor of my own church or get to take over another church. I thought all that was going to be the path that God had for me. And I could tell you this, it, none of that happened. Like none of what I thought was going to happen happened. And most people would think, man, that's such a failure. You must not have enough faith. You must not have known plenty of people. I I knew a lot of people. I had a lot of pastor, so-called pastor friends who said, oh, I'll keep an eye out. And I never got any type of information, never got the direction, never, no, no doors opened. Let's just say that. And then once I started really, you know, started really going out, then I started getting places saying, oh, you need a master's degree. Oh, you need a seminary degree. And I'm like, I just want an entry level youth pastor job. Entry level. And they're telling me I need to be having a master's already. That'd be like going to a high end IT company and the entry level is going to pay you basically minimum wage, but you need to have a doctorate in IT already. I know it doesn't exist, but just trying to say, like, you're expecting someone who's trying to just get their foot in to have a perspective of education that should should be something that they should work you towards. Because, one, you need the training. Because, like, to me, one of the things I've learned is that just going to school doesn't give you a better understanding of how ministry works. It's the experience that you get. Because I already had a lot of experience. I, I helped with youth group long before I went back to school. And I even got to teach, uh, like, uh, like, like a youth pastor would, like, in front of the whole youth group a couple times. And then I even did Bible studies, you know, individual groups. And I had that type of training to, and I thought, you know, boom, you know, someone would just be like, Hey, you know, I noticed that you were very involved in your church. You even did young adult stuff. And, you know, we want to give you a chance. Nope. You see, it's not sometimes the way that God kind of takes you in a journey. It's not the expectation that you always think is going to be. And it's not always the way that it's going to be. Sometimes God has different plans. 
if you're willing to listen, he could do amazing things, even if those 10 years were not the best situations that you could imagine. So we're going to take a really quick break, and I just want you to kind of think about that. I'll see you in a bit. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half of this episode. So we've been kind of talking about the concept that people kind of put their refuge in other people and other leaders, other churches, other organizations, but they kind of don't put it in with God. And then I shared about how the last 10 years hasn't been the way I was hoping, but sometimes that's how God works. He has plans. He has purpose. He has design around why he does what he does to get you to where he needs you to be. And the one thing is that I do get to see and I do get to understand is that he kept his promises. He did provide, he take, took care of us he, medically, you know, money wise, housing, even in the hardest times, he was always there. He was my strength. He was my fortress. And when I needed that refuge, he did provide. And as much as it took time for me to heal, from several things, from mental, spiritual, and even physical, God is getting me there. Like, I'm still in the healing process, and, you know, right now it's more of the physical. I get to see God do. So why is it that people still doubt? Something I was looking at today because of a discussion I was having with a friend of mine you know, he was kind of trying to point out, do we lose the Holy Spirit like, you know, Saul did? Do we lose the Holy Spirit like David almost did in the Old Testament? And I kind of realized that the one thing that's kind of different is in the New Testament, the believer gains the Holy Spirit. And the only things in Scripture that point to any form of losing is if we blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And a better understanding is that is basically complete, like, devastatingly dis, 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 I don't even know how to use the word right but you basically just outright just hate on God like you just there's you don't want him you deny everything who he is and it's like you have chosen to not believe him and, and nothing like like it's almost like a bitterness of hate towards who he is and there's like like you cannot you cannot get the Holy Spirit back that way. And then the other times where it says is like quenching. Well, quenching is used as a form of basically kind of holding back the Holy Spirit's capability in life. And it's kind of interesting because most people would think it's because you are in sin or you're struggling. But I've met many of a person who call themselves a Christian, but don't understand the Holy Spirit. And so they don't know how to listen to it. Now, usually... In my mind, I think, well, they may not be saved then if they don't understand the Holy Spirit. But I think in some regards, people who are saved, they want the benefits, but they keep the Holy Spirit at bay because they still want to live the way the life they want to live. But going back to the idea is then why do we doubt? Because in the Old Testament, certain people were given the Spirit of the Lord. Many people 
had faith. They believed. They trusted. They, they took what they knew and what they learned, and they lived their life in such a matter. You know, I think of um, Joseph, uh, Joshua and I, I think it was Caleb, um, both of them. And, you know, we talked about it ago about the, about the spies. You know, and I think about Gideon, who at first was like, yeah, no way. I'm not going to go fight anybody. I'm not a warrior. But then he saw confidence as God kept showing his trust in him, answering his prayers and kind of giving him direction. He's like, oh, okay, we get to see a lot of this because not each one of those was given the, the spirit of the Lord. It's kind of interesting, but a lot of times the prophets were given or even the kings were given the spirit of the Lord. They lost it when they walked away from the Lord. Well, I should say Saul lost it because he really walked away from the Lord and started doing his own thing. So it made me start thinking about the idea is that we are going to struggle. We're going to have our hardships and a lot of times in those weaknesses, we get easily influenced. We need to be really, really, really careful with that. When you or I are in our weakest moments of life, the enemy is going to use people, going to use things you like. It's, they're going to try to penetrate the weakest kinks of your armor. Because it's kind of interesting because like once again, you know, doing the study, it goes right back to Ephesians 6 and it's the, actually the first two verses that, you know, of that list of the armor of God. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And, you know, I was looking more into like strength and confidence and, and the strongholds, you know, fortress, defense, whatever it may be. And that is something that came to mind for me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, how can someone have confidence in that? Because here's the one thing difference between lot in the Old Testament and the New Testament believer. We get the Holy Spirit. All of us, everyone who became a Christian gets the Holy Spirit. Not everybody in the Old Testament had the Holy Spirit. You see how it's interesting how we have more doubt when we have the capability of the Holy Spirit in us to see God in things, to have confidence in him, to trust him, to, to believe that he is going to be our fortress. He's going to be our strength. He'll be there in time of trouble. There's so many verses. <clears throat> if just looking up the word, God is my strength. That's just going to pop up like crazy. And, and like, you could find so many verses and you could just read it and memorize all those verses, all you want, but it's the understanding that you got to have faith confidence and trust in who he is because you have to understand we are weak 
we are not going to be able to be strong enough to do everything. And I learned that a lot in the past 10 years, how weak I am, how strong God is. And even Paul mentions, if you were to go to 2 Corinthians 12, it's talking about Paul's visions and his thorn. And I'm going to read kind of the whole thing, but it's the last few verses that are most powerful. It says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And he heard things that cannot be told, which may, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should be, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the, of the surpassing greatness of, of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that is, that I will say is a very interesting perspective from Paul. And many times we, we kind of struggle in this area. Um, I am going to share it from the message because I am curious because it says, it starts at seven because of the extravagance of those revelations. And so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did. And then he told me, my grace is enough, is all you need. My strength comes into, into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit forcing, focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in my weakness. Now I take limitations and stride. With a good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. See, you got to understand that a lot of people are searching for Jesus. 
and they are going to be in situations of abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, just things just not working out for them. And we as Christians and as men of God, we should be out there reaching out to these people and showing them who Christ is. It should not be about my pastor is better than yours. My church is bigger than yours. I have more power than you. I'm more spiritual. It should be, how are we telling people about, hey, there's someone that cares about you in your weakness enough to show you if you repent and you come to him, you will have refuge. You see, the words that came coming to my mind is rest and refuge. Refuge is a place where people who are fleeing from something, we talked about it from Proverbs, we're fleeing from, in, in one version, snares of death. In a lot of ways for me, is enslavement of sin. And people don't know this. And so they fall into the traps of these men who call themselves pastors who are saying, give me money and we'll give you everything you need. You will feel spiritual. And then you have other religions that are offering these, these peaceful answers, these peaceful directions that these people can have that are just going to provide a refuge for them to feel valued, important. And so they get lost in the world's delights, you know, because I always think about when I think of world's delights, I always think about um, Edmund from... Uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, when the witch meets him for the first time, she offers him anything he wants if he can tell her where his sisters and brothers are. And he was willing to give up the location of his brothers and sisters for some Turkish delights. And that's what enslavement of sin does. It's, it's willing to give up something that God could make you amazingly more for the moment of that taste. And I sit there and I think about why it's so, so important to understand who God is for us as men or women, as Christians. We've got to have a better understanding of who he is. We got to know him. We got to spend time in his word. We got to study. We got to have clarity so that we are not easily influenced by ideals and philosophies and agendas and organizations and groups and and people who have the charisma to pull you in because they look amazing and you want to be a part of something you are already a part of something and i think that we've lost that uh desire or even see it because we're so focused on what we cannot see. No, we see somebody who stands in front of the church and they preach with such charisma and energy. And you want that. You know, I feel tired and exhausted. But man, when I hear so-and-so preaches, it gets me pumped up. 
And it's so interesting is because the focus is we get to see something. We can see this happening. We can see and we feel like we're a part of it. Because if we take a take a step back and we're to think about it, we want to have some form of power or position in it. So many people become volunteers, they offer their time, they get involved because <clears throat> they think they're a part of whatever it is. And it's so funny because that's what that's what Jesus offers each of us. He has a plan for each of us. He wants you to be doing more than what you're doing. There is an excitement behind the gospel message. But you see, we live in such a consuming or consumer world that our idea of excitement needs to be flashy concerts and excitement of people that are being known. Because like one of the things I think that's interesting, because we use the phrase celebrity pastors. And the reason it's so powerful is because we have created a celebrity minded United States. You know, if you went to Hollywood and you met, let's say, the rock in the street and he shook your hand, what's the number one thing you're going to do? You want to take a picture with him because you want everybody else to say, whoa, you got to meet the rock. You see, that's how we're starting to treat our church. We're starting to treat even worship leaders and Pastors, we're starting to. That's why people are using the phrase celebrity pastors. Because if I were to say, Hey, I went and I met, you know, my good friend, Pastor Cross, you'd be like, Who's that? Like, why does that matter? But if I were to go and tell you all, you know, before all this happened, I met, you know, Carl Luntz, Luntz one time and when he shook my hand and everything, you'd be like, Oh, wow, that is so cool. You see, we have lost the picture of the purpose behind being Christians, which is to give the gospel. My friend, Pastor Cross is an amazing man who loves Jesus. And he even listens to my podcast. And when I talk to him, I get excited because I get to see how God is moving in his life. I get to hear Jesus in his, in his voice. And that gets me excited. But I can tell you this, the majority of you will never meet Pastor Cross. And you probably, maybe you get to run into him here and there because I know what he's doing next and his next adventure is going to be pretty cool. And only a few people are probably ever going to get to meet him outside of the people he already knows. And he knows a lot of people. But that's the thing is that you got to understand that God has plans for every person and their purpose. And just because you don't get to see everything they get to do does not mean that they're not doing something and you guys who are christians who are men you guys may be working for an it company you may be working for a trunk company you may be working for the grocery store you may be a doctor a nurse you may whatever it may be you could be a professor at a college you could be a guy who works at the concession stand over at the gas station you could, whatever job it is that you're currently doing you may be the only people that will get to meet people that no one else will get to meet and that's why it's so vital to understand that if we put our refuge in God, even in our weakness, even when it seems like we're not getting anywhere, not going anywhere, and it's like, man, well, I just work at a gas station. Well, dude, I worked for Sears twice. 
I worked at Ace. I worked for the city as a day camp teacher. I worked a part-time job making hardly any money at a college, just uh, taking care of the lawn and shoveling snow. I volunteered time because I couldn't get work to come through. I got to only get paid for preaching for uh, a Sunday morning service once in a while. I did an after-school program at a middle school. And the one thing that God has always taught me in those situations was take those moments and you teach the truth. You teach principles if you have to. And you impact those people because you may be the only person who gets to impact them in that moment for Jesus. And I want you to understand this is all before I got that job at the last church I was at. You see, you don't know why God has you there until you ask him to show you. But you got to make him your refuge first. That your whole faith and trust, your confidence is in everything that he has promised that he would do. And that he can reveal this because you will be confident to know, oh, you know, there is that person at work that I've been working with for the past couple years or even six months. I know they've been struggling. Well, have you been praying over them? How have you tried to reach them? You see, that's why it's so amazing for the opportunities that God gives us if we look at it from that perspective. And then understanding how Paul was begging for God to remove something from his life. <laughs> because it's in the way. You know, in those in these 10 years, and technically it's been longer for some of these jobs, but I didn't want them. I didn't, I didn't want to go back to work at Sears again. I asked him, why, why are you having me come back to Sears again? I want, I want to get into a church. I want to be a youth pastor. And then I, about a year and four months, or actually about a year, I find out, you know, church is dying, or not church, the Sears was shutting down. I started figuring that out. People were panicking, and guess what I was doing? I was praying with them, helping them get get ready for, because uh, a lot of them were younger than I, I was. It was very interesting. Praying with them, I was helping them with their resume, I was, you know, encouraging them. I mean, there was people crying, because they didn't know what, what was going to happen next. They didn't know what they are going to do. But I took that opportunity to help them. You see, God's answer was, because this was going to happen, I needed you there. Even though the next few years was even more of a struggle, where I couldn't even get any part-time jobs that would work with me, God still used me in those opportunities. And even though I had my dark time and I got really down low and I just felt like giving up, God still put me in another situation. And like every, it's just, that's what I'm saying. I was getting stronger and stronger with the more I got weaker and weaker. And I still feel that way. And I still know that I have to have my confidence and trust in the Lord constantly. And I want you guys to understand that God, even if you're having a hard time, has a plan. You got to have refuge and confidence and trust in who he is. 
And if you guys are looking for a song, I mean, I put it on the Facebook group, but Skillet's new, newer song, Refuge, is amazing. If you need encouragement, it's a good song to listen to. I, I listen to it almost every day now. Um, it just reminds me of what all the stuff that I've gone through. It reminds me of where my strength, my courage, my defense, you know, where I can go to in the, when, at the darkest moments of time. Who is your refuge in your life? Is it people? Your family? Is it your pastor? Is it your church? Or is it God? Because many people are being fooled these days, and it's very easy to put your confidence on other things and not God. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I thank you for this time. I'm amazed at how you do conversations, how you work with me to, when I when I do these podcasts, and I get to see just how you kind of change things up a little bit with the direction because you have a reason behind it. And I hope, Lord, that this will help people to understand the beauty of having you as their refuge and not other people, not the church, not the pastor, but you specifically. And if these people around them are encouraging them to be with you 100%, great, Lord. If they're not, they need to be aware and, and understand that it's dangerous because you start putting your faith and trust in other things besides you. I pray, Lord, that you just bless this conversation, you bless this podcast, that you keep using it to help those that are that are listening and who just need this type of thinking, I guess, you know, changing of their mind, a renewing of their mind to your truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you guys have a great week, and I look forward to recording next week. And, well, God bless, and I'll see you next time.